We've got another legend of ServiceNow joining us today. She's been working on the platform since 2009 and continues to grow her knowledge and her community, all while still taking care of the family at home. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow developer podcast. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and curious individuals that I always say with the utmost love and respect. Welcome to or welcome back to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow developer podcast, where we bring you the latest tools, tips, and tradecraft to accelerate your career. I've said that so many times, some of you are probably reciting it along with me, but I'm not alone. I am with the one and only senior developer advocate, Lauren McManaman. How are you today, Lauren? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? Awesome. And I can't wait to get started because in this episode, we are talking to one of my earliest acquaintances at ServiceNow as a company. She was working there when I was a customer, and now I'm working there, and we'll figure this all out. It is Principal Architect Carlene Carter. How are you, Carlene? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on. It's long overdue, long overdue. Uh, you and I go way back. I remember you took my name tag. What was it? Knowledge 11. I had a little LED badge. I stole it overnight. Absolutely. I, I'm i going to that rooftop bar. Can I borrow your badge? That's exactly what I was remembering. And she comes back and, and I, you brought it back the next morning. I said, I'm never going to see this thing again. But you brought it back and... Yeah, it has like something like 16 programmable messages and I had fun stuff in there like, hey, my eyes are up there. (laughs) (laughs) Or uh, burger, Whopper, large fries and a drink, $2.99. Somehow you were trying to program a message. I got it back the next morning. It just said, ah! (laughs) What, did somebody fall off the roof while they were typing or something? (laughs) I was going to ask you because I knew that I programmed something in there, but I could not remember what it was. It was just a series of A's. And I'm not sure. Did we did did we overwrite all of the other ones that no, were? They were fine. They were okay. fine. Because you had to do a character by character. It wasn't like you could hook up a USB yeah, and type was... something. It was. Oh yeah, the wayback machine on that one. So yeah, technology has improved a little bit since then. I'm sure that they're all Bluetooth, and you can just program them with apps now on your phone. Yeah, they, you can. I have looked occasionally like, oh, what does it look like today? Enough about the geeky technology. We're here to talk more about you. So let's get started by telling us a little bit about yourself. Well, I grew up in San Diego, which is actually how I originally got um, into ServiceNow uh, to begin with, because that's where ServiceNow was headquartered back then. Um, but now I live just outside of Fort Worth, Texas, and yeah. I have a husband and two daughters. They are three and five years old. You mentioned your family. I understand your parents are into tech. You're, 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 you've got a plan for your sister or something. Yes, I do come from a, a family of tech folks. My parents were both programmers. My dad was an AS400 programmer and my mom worked at NCR. I don't actually know what language she worked in, but um, <laughs> uh, my little sister, who's 13 years younger than me, um, works uh, at Microsoft And the last holdout is my middle sister, who's three years younger than me, but I definitely have a plan for her. And we will talk about that later. Ooh, I love the the tease of what's to come later. (laughs) So aside from work, what are you doing for fun in the great state of Texas? Well, I know we are pre-recording this and it probably will make no sense if somebody listens to this in six months, but the only thing that I can do right now is swim in our pool in the Texas triple digit heat. 
Um, even when this airs, I'm sure that uh, it will still be triple digits. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, but otherwise, I am a very artsy and craftsy person. Um, I actually think that software development and arts and crafts go really, really well together, just like um, software development. And then there's also musicians and people who like to sing. Um, it requires a very creative part of your brain. But the crafts that I like to do, I like to do a little bit of everything. I do crochet. I knit. I do some painting. Um, I uh, oh, jewelry making. I did some um, oh, of wow. those for lanyards at K23. Oh, I remember seeing those. I didn't know you had made those yourself. That's amazing. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's super fun. And and a lot of those things that I do are a little bit of a mindless activity. So like stringing beads on a on a wire or crocheting is like, you know, doing the same uh, stitches over and over and over again. So mm-hmm. it helps me decompress after being on a long day of uh, conference calls and and things that require very explicit attention. I feel you there. I recently got into like punch rugs and it's that same thing. It's just like punching it over and over and over again. The brain's totally off. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, I totally agree with the creativity side. You've got to have some sort of hobby. It doesn't really, it it takes you out of the technical world, but it still keeps the creative side. I I always said a computer science degree should have been named more like computer artistry because there's Mm -hmm. just as much art and creativity that goes into identifying a solution and creating that solution and arriving at that solution it it's it it could be different the way that you implement something versus the way I implement something and and having that other hobby that keeps you in that creative mode whether it's woodworking or you know Robert's got his soap making and leather craft and there's there's so much ways you can channel that creativity to go okay what have I got what skills do I own and how do I get there and how do I grow that skill? Find a community of interest. All that goes. So many parallels. Wow, we could go on for a while on that. Absolutely. I want to know what did you do before you worked with ServiceNow? Well, I had two jobs before I worked with ServiceNow. Um, one of them being I was eight years in IT asset management at CSE um, before I started ServiceNow in 2009. So that was the eight years before that. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked a lot about that in my um, Titans of Now podcast with Robert. So if you want to hear more about that, go listen to the other one. Nice plug. We'll have a link in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, my other job, I did a short stint in high school at Happy Harbor Cafe at, at SeaWorld, and I made ice cream sundaes and funnel cakes. And I will tell you that there are a couple things that I learned from that. Is it service workers are humans? And so don't be rude insert other expletive as you want exactly on vacation right there's no point in being rude on vacation you should be happy (laughs) exactly exactly and the second thing that i learned is that cotton candy which is one of my favorite uh sugary treats is way more difficult to make than you think (laughs) yes <laughs> and, and the sugar goes everywhere. It's so messy and sticky. And I mean, it's even messier and stickier than actually eating the cotton candy. <laughs> you get lots of things in lots of different places where if you're working in food service, it's, it's, you gotta, yes, showers are absolutely required after you leave. It's staying on the career theme. How did you get started with service now? So I mentioned I work at CSE. Uh, I had a bunch of colleagues that worked on the service desk at CSE and one of them left to go become a developer at ServiceNow. And I think he was like employee number 10 or something like that. Um, 
after he left, uh, we kind of had gone our separate ways a little bit, but I reconnected with him in early December 08 and had lunch. And I mentioned that I was looking for something else to do. And I was having a hard time finding um, something that I was really excited about. Um, I had only been in at one company to kind of doing one thing. And I was really nervous about trying other things at first. Um, but it, like two phone calls later and and maybe even like two weeks later, I was starting at ServiceNow in January. Um, so I think it's really important to stay connected to your network because you yes. never know what it, it has for you. And so two phone calls led to multiple, multiple years in the ServiceNow network, ultimately bringing to a point where you are also part of our MVP program as well. I guess where you and I really had the opportunity to connect was the, the developer MVP dinner. So what does the MVP program mean to you? Um, I, I really believe that the MVP, being an MVP from this year is, or from any year actually, um, is a recognition of what you give back to the community because it's one thing to just be a stellar architect or developer in in the community but it's also another thing to take what you've learned and share it back to everyone and that's really what i believe the mvp program is about and i've always been an advocate of service now throughout my entire service now career um i think at my previous job my sharing was mostly focused on the internal folks. Um, and so I think it's really important for me to not just spend time with, with the folks that I work with on a day-to-day basis, but also share that knowledge outside in, into the ecosystem. Ultimately, the customer success is really important to me and enabling others within my company or outside of my company leads to more customer success stories. You know, there was some of that sharing earlier in your ServiceNow career because you were one of the early trainers of the sysadmin course. That is true. Um, there were two trainers, uh, Ian Bros and I, and he was doing the East Coast ones and I was doing the West Coast ones. And I think we had slightly more on the West Coast. But generally, if there was a if you took sysadmin 101, uh, there was a 50-50 chance that I uh, taught your class. And there are still people that come up to me at knowledge um, that say, hey, you taught my sysadmin class. And I'm so thankful that I got into this ecosystem. And, and eventually uh, I got to step down from that because ServiceNow uh, started an actual training department <laughs> instead of just having the, the services team do those, um, do those training classes. I did about a dozen of those. They're very rewarding. I, I enjoyed every one of those. My favorite thing was to plant little um, like pop culture things in uh, in the training. So the phone number that I used every time we created a year was 8675309, which also <laughs> nice. may date me really far back. But <laughs> I would always get a kick out of hearing Snickers in the room like, oh, Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> Not only are you the leader in the community as an MVP, but you're You've also attained your CMA, your Certified Master Architect. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. uh, The Certified Master Architect certification is the pinnacle certification that you can get with ServiceNow. And unlike some of the Certified Implementation Specialist or Certified System Administrator, it's a six-month-long program. Um, And you have a cohort of about 25 folks that you go through the program with, and they meet multiple times a week. 
Um, and we learn a lot of different things. Um, we, we practice our public speaking. We learn, you know, new stuff about the platform. Um, but mostly it's training or getting those folks ready to speak with the C-level uh, customers um, in, in to guide them on their ServiceNow journey. And we talked a little bit earlier on a related note about helping your customers understand the outcomes when all they have today is Excel. At my previous companies, we were doing lots of general ITSM, CSM, HRSD implementations mm -hmm. across really the whole platform. And now at my current company, we're focusing on a, a group, some groups that don't get as much love and they are not profit centers. So oftentimes they don't have budget to use um, really expensive software. So they are on Excel and transitioning from Excel to a thing like ServiceNow is you, we get really excited about it because we know what the tool can do, what the platform can do. And our customers coming from Excel have two kind of gut reactions to that. They get excited about some of the automation and then they also get confused because in Excel, they can do whatever they want. And mm -hmm. now they kind of have to work with us to enable certain things. And it sometimes feels very limiting, but generally I like to help them mature because what they can't do in Excel is a lot of the things that ServiceNow platform does really well. We can do analytics and um, you know, metrics and KPIs that they can't even imagine that they have today. And those are things that are going to help them turn around to their stakeholders and prove their worth. Like, hey, we're, we saved us. We saved our company from having to pay this fine because of the environmental health and safety work that we're doing. Or we reduce the amount of injuries or worse in our, uh, our manufacturing center by 60%. They may have been able to do those things before, but it's much more comprehensive when you actually get into the ServiceNow platform. And that seems to be a huge thesis point of the CMA program, right? Is balancing your technical capabilities and the flexibility that you have as a developer with offsetting some of the overall automated capabilities that when done by a platform, even offer you more time to focus on what you specialize in. Yeah. Um, when you're coming from uh, another system or Excel, it's really hard to speak in ServiceNow terms, which is why people like me are here. Um, they have only the context that they have. And so, you know, requirements come out as, well, I really just don't want this purple button right here. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. kind of have to explain to them, well, there aren't any purple buttons in ServiceNow. Here's the way we do that here. They're all pink buttons. Obviously, that's a really silly example, but um, I'm sure that the everybody on uh, that's listening uh, has some sort of insert real example there that they could speak to. So aside from the CMA program and all the things that you've been working on on ServiceNow in general, when we're talking more about like on the offline responsibilities as well, you mentioned that you have two young children. Any thoughts about them and like their potential future in tech as well? Yes, my two daughters. I just really don't understand how they could not have a future in tech. I mean, from, from me, but also like tech is everywhere these days. My daughter is starting kindergarten next week and they're going to issue her a Chromebook. Now she's not going to take it home or anything like some of the older 
students might, but they're going to have a Chromebook for every student wow. in kindergarten and in the entire elementary school. Um, so I think she's going to get up to typing many, many words per minute before way before I ever did. And before, like maybe, you know, before the end of the year. I think I was in college before I actually touched typed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it cracks me up now when like, I see people do chicken pecking because, you know, they can't, oh. they have it. They just don't, uh, you know, their strengths are in other areas. Um, yes. But my, my daughter really doesn't actually know what I do. She just knows that I go up to my office room and I work all day. So I hope that eventually <laughs> she will start to realize that, you know, maybe that I have other things uh, going on other than just sitting in this room all day. I am really curious to know, though, how equitable, like gender equitable exposure to tech will affect gender distribution in like 20 or 30 years. Both my, my uh, kids are girls. And uh, I think that, you know, they're not just, they're not saying, oh, well, the boys get the Chromebooks and the girls get the sewing machines or something like that, you know, that they (laughs) maybe used to do when, um, you know, a long time ago, all all of the kids are getting the same access to tech very, very early on. And I would love to know I'd love to have a, a peek into, you know, how that how that will affect, um, you know, women in tech and just general who's in tech um, in 20 or 30 years. I remember when I went to college, one of the big bragging points of my engineering school was like how well balanced the equity was. And I came in, I was so jazzed. Uh, that was true for the overall school, not true for the computer science program. So I'm like, okay, maybe one day, maybe for their generation, then it'll finally catch up in side. Cause that I was like, Hey, I feel a little hoodwinked on that one. Yeah. My, I did not actually major in uh, computer science. Um, but my, like, like I said, my little sister, who's 13 years younger than me did. And, um, both she and I have had encounters where we were not taken seriously as women in, in tech, at least for me though, I know that those perceptions, at least I feel like they don't last very long. Um, I've been told I'm a little intimidating, but I think it's that I have a direct and confident communication style, um, that I'm not mincing words. I tell people like it is good. And I really want them to know that I'm, I'm looking out for their best interests. And so I tend to make sure that I explain what I'm saying and why I'm saying it. Well, you said you had a pr- a plan for your middle sister. What did that plan entail? Speaking of like your, your guidance here. <laughs> My middle sister. So uh, if you went to Knowledge 23, you got the golden ticket and uh, you also got, well, if I didn't get a golden ticket for myself because I have access through being a partner, but I got a golden ticket to share with my friends and family. And um, I am trying to get her interested in, she's a paralegal right now, but I think she'd be a really awesome business analyst. She's she's so smart as well. Uh, so then that's, that's the last holdout and I'm trying to get her uh, trained up. So maybe she'll be part of that million by 2024. Now you mentioned Knowledge 23 and those who went, Probably saw your face all over the place in a a very good way, of course. Uh, You also had a speaking engagement. What did you talk about and how did it go? Uh, My colleague and I, uh, my colleague Juan Antonio Gomez and I, uh, we did a lab um, for CreatorCon on playbooks and how to set them up. Um, It was really well received, but I always feel like when you do those labs, there's just not enough time to actually 
do everything and make sure that everybody who's in the lab gets, you know, is able to execute everything. So it's usually a much low or higher level um, and whizzing through some of the, yep. the nuances um, faster than you'd like to. A couple of fun questions. First one is you, I said your face was all over the place. You had a ginormous headshot at the conference. It was like eight feet by six feet on one of those big panel displays. What happened to that? Uh, I brought it home. So it it's just fabric. So it folded up really small and fit into my suitcase. Um, I probably could have just even carried it on on the plane. Um, but yes, it is eight feet by six feet. And it's hanging in my living room, uh, covering one of our bookshelves, our built-in bookshelves, and right next to the fireplace. So anybody that comes into our house has to look at me, uh, gi- <laughs> my giant face smiling, because it is quite a lot bigger than than real life. I think a lot of people thought they might have been smaller up on the wall, but once they were like physically down, people were like, oh, no, this is more of like a burden to bring home than I imagined. Yeah. yeah. They told me that they were going to throw them away. So, I mean, right. what else would you, you can't, I can't be throwing my face away if I no. can take it home. And also you're recycling. We are a green conference. You were recycling as well. It's perfect. That's true. Win. That's true. Yes. Well, that's what we'll call it. <laughs> What happened to yours, Chuck? Uh, I grabbed two. My face was not on any of them. I got one that's just a blue panel that says knowledge, and it currently covers the spare mattress and box spring that lean up against the wall in the guest room because it also like doubles as my bed. office. It's like kind a, of, yeah. like a Murphy bed. Yeah. And it's a nice, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of our company and our conference and our branding and all that good stuff. The second one was the base of the coffee counter. It was like 25 foot long thing that said, you know, the SN coffee shop. I was very proud of that logo. So I took that home, not knowing what I was going to do with it. I just wanted it. And then when I got home, I said, I know what I'll do. I'll cut it up and make a new cover for our square fire pit outside. So I cut it up. I hand stitched it together with some dental floss and it's really faded in the Phoenix sun this summer. (laughs) They were not printed with UV in mind. <laughs> it, no, these were not meant for outdoor. So don't take your picture outside. It'll turn this weird shade of pink. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Second fun question is we played a game of Family Feud. You yes. were part of the first team and you came up in costumes. You have to explain that. We had a team of women, all women. And uh, I thought, you know, that is was enough for us to probably stand out against um, uh, some of the other teams. But uh, I thought it would be really fun since a, several of the folks on the team had never met each other. Um, and I thought it would be kind of like a fun bonding thing if we all were wearing some sort of fun team. Spirit. Yeah. Um, and we ended up with the the masks and the capes. It was a, um, uh, the close second was ladybug costume so that we could be like the defects or the bugs or something. <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> the D-bugs. The D-bugs, yes. <laughs> then that that sounds kind of like a, a 50s girl group. We had snap in and sing in. Yeah. <laughs> that was so cool. Very memorable. And what a great idea to you know get some unity on that team. Absolutely. Yeah, I was really, really excited to... Um, be on the team with folks that I hadn't met before either. Um, I, I, I wanted other people to get engaged and again, just network, meet, make make new friends. Just kind of threw it together in Slack one day too. It's like, who wants to be on a team? Boom, boom, boom. There's yeah. your team of five. Wow, that was easy. <laughs> that is exactly how it worked. 
Now, it also says on your LinkedIn that you were also recently a keynote speaker. Is that correct? Yes, I was a keynote speaker. I want to say it was 2019, but I may be off by a year or two or three years. Um, Some of those are a blur due to COVID. I don't blame you. (laughs) Exactly. Um, The ServiceNow used to do a kind of like a conference. Um, It was called Now Learning Live, where they had hosted uh, several instructor-led training classes and got a lot of people together. Um, and so I pre-recorded a uh, keynote for for the first Now Learning Live conference. Debut is always a big fun role to play. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to go back to the career questions. What would you consider the highlight of your career? I think that that's a, that was a really hard one um, for me. I think that every year is better than the last year. And so I just keep, keep going. Like uh, the highlights I know are still coming. Um, but I will say that throughout the time spent in service now and all of the different speaking engagements and, you know, different networking opportunities definitely have boosted my confidence, um, much more so than when I was first out of high school, taking a new professional job. Okay, I I should have made a bet earlier. We could have bet if Happy Harbor Cafe would have come up on any of that. (laughs) (laughs) I still remember it very near and dear to my heart, but I cannot say that that would be the highlight. (laughs) Well, where do you see your career going? Well, uh, at this season in my life, I like to call it, um, I'm very, very happy where I am. I'm doing, I'm a principal architect at Serenity. Uh, I can still get to have my hands on code but I get to mentor and teach and and influence the direction of our product. Um, I got to have, I have lots of hats, but they're all hats that I want to wear. Um, So I'm, I'm, I'm really, really happy where I am. And I think one of the things that drew me to serenity was the promise of the work-life balance. And it wasn't just to promise, you know, that they just threw out there and then forgot about it. Yeah. Got me hooked. And then it's, it's out. I uh, work-life balance is really, really important to us here. Um, I, I, we work with customers, but just because we have customers doesn't mean that we are not humans and that we don't have family time needs or personal time needs or whatever. So it's really, um, I'm, I love that it's honored here. When you ask somebody about where their career is going, the focus is kind of like, it's just on what job do you want in the future? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, when I think about my future I want to grow as a whole human. And the career part of that is just one part of that. Sure. Um, and they they all they all influence each other. I need to grow as a family person. I need to grow as an individual. And I also want to grow my career as well. Good plan. Well, so to finalize today's conversation, are there any additional words of advice that you would give new developers and or admins maybe trying to follow in your footsteps? When you first start approaching ServiceNow, uh, the platform is so vast, it can be really, really overwhelming to try to figure out, oh, should I go niche down or should I try to be general or or, or whatever path that you want to take? And it might be confusing as to what path you want to take. And I think that it's really important to remember that there isn't one person in the entire world that will ever know it all about ServiceNow. I don't know it all. Chuck doesn't know it all. Lauren doesn't know it all. Not even Pat Casey, very, very early developer knows it all, (laughs) although he's very, very close. 
Very close. Yes. He's probably the closest <laughs> other than Fred. <laughs> he knows a lot. Um, and I think that everyone has to learn a bit at a time. Those that pace may be different for everybody, but it's also really important to remember that many lessons you won't learn until you actually are doing them or in, in the lesson itself. So try things. Yes. Don't be afraid to change your approach as you learn more because you will always be learning more. Great advice. Wow. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us today, Carlene. But before we leave, can you let the listener know how they can get in touch with you? Yes. Probably the best way to get in touch with me is to send me a message on LinkedIn. I do also have a website where I host um, my blogs and videos and different things like that. And that is smartcarlene.com. That's C-A-R-L-E-E-N, not E-N-E. Or E-A-N. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Carlene. Yes. That's how I introduce myself sometimes, like driving a car and then leaning over because people do not forget it after that. Don't spell it that way, people. No. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, wonderful listener, for joining us today. Don't forget, we have a lot of other podcasts out there. ServiceNow puts out 14, 15 of them. I lost count. But you can find them all at servicenow.com slash community under the events menu. You can subscribe to this or any of them for free and get them automatically delivered to you. Find them wherever you find podcasts on your popular directories. Breakpoint is brought to you by ServiceNow. Executive producers would be me and Lauren McManaman. And videos and captions are done by Earl Duque on his gracious spare time, whatever that is. To find out more about the ServiceNow developer program, head over to developer.servicenow.com. And again, thank you so much, Carly, for joining us today. It was so awesome to be on. I really thank you for, for inviting me. Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening. still can't hear you, Lauren. Can you hear me? I was on mute. That's kind of cool. Any question about where we're going with this? Um, I don't know. Where are we going with this? We may go down a rabbit hole and we do the intro like this. <clears throat> well, I, uh, I, that's what Robert said when we did the Titans of now. Well, it might be. A okay. Let's, oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, Lauren. Go ahead, Jack. Well, you had that's some of that. Kind of... uh, go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Chuck. Oh, you, you, uh, you, you said you had a well-oiled machine, Carlene. Chuck colon reads question here. I'm surprised. We're going to edit that part out. It had nothing to do with here or there. No, you have, um, what advice do you have for new developers? Carlene's driving now. I called the doctor's office today and I said, I, my name is Carlene Greenlee. That's my alias. Boom. That's the way it goes. Thank you. It was very fun. That was awesome. Love it.